0: Welcome back to another episode of the Kings Bulls podcast presented by the Kings Herald. My name is Brandon Nunez and I am recording this episode today solo. Um, I'm recording this the morning after the Sacramento Kings just beat the Orlando Magic at the Golden One Center, 142 to 130. Definitely an offensive focused game. Uh, Not much defense play from either side in this one, but the Kings did come out on top. Um, I mean, 142 points is a ridiculous number to put up. Um yeah, fifty-four percent from the field, forty-four percent from three, and they shot twenty-five three throws free throws. They made twenty-one of them. I thought that this was one of the, if not the best De'Aaron Fox game that we've seen all year. This was the only second chance that Alvin Gentry has had in the nail eight games since he's taken over, which he's five. And um uh, I'm sorry, he uh was four and three. So, yeah, he's five and three actually in the eight games now since he's taken over. This is the fir- the second time that he's had a fully available roster. The first one being that game against Philadelphia where they lost to a 76ers team that was missing five starters on their own. But Gentry had just taken over head coaching responsibilities the day before that game. Um, yeah, it's hard, it's hard to place that one on Gentry, I guess is what I'm saying um also not trying to pitch this idea that gentry's a savior or anything like that but it's going well and like i said first chance aside from the very next day that he was named interim head coach after Walton was let go of that he's had a full roster and that is because Harrison Barnes returned from a foot injury and Maurice Harkless was available after a knee issue that he'd been dealing with for a couple games now but, um, he did end up not playing in this one, and excuse my dogs in the background did harkless did end up not playing in this one, and some of it had to do with uh or well, Gentry said post game that you know like if we could get away with not playing him, we were going to pretty much um, so that's what happened. I wouldn't say that it seemed like less of like Gentry views Harkless is outside the rotation um we don't know it was definitely pitched by gentry as you know we were going to get away with not playing him if we could and that's what they felt like they were able to do against orlando but all those guys available unfortunately Rashawn holmes did take a hit to the eye that ended up being a pretty bloody i'm sure most people if you watch the game uh are able to remember that one pretty well it's not the first time he's gotten hit in the eye and um yeah, so he ended up going out. I want to say it was in the second quarter and not returning in this one. His status is still uncertain. We didn't get any news on that post game and, and as of today, when I'm recording this before 1 o'clock here, we still have no news what the latest is on Rashawn Holmes. But obviously, hopefully he can come back as soon as possible. He's been the clear number one big on this roster. Alex Len was the backup five of Gentry's choice against Orlando. But... Once Holmes went down, obviously, Tristan Thompson was called upon as well, and Thompson played phenomenal in his minutes out there. Overall, I mean, I think that this was one of the most fun Kings games. Like, obviously, I wish that they were playing better defense. You know, I I think that that very easily everyone's going to feel that way about this game. But the energy that we saw from this game, you know, Halliburton has been a high energy guy all year, really. like his passion that you see on the court and I'm not saying other guys are not passionate so maybe that's a bad word but the way that you see Halliburton constantly smiling screaming yelling hyping up the crowd is just really fun to watch like you can see him having fun Um, we've seen Thompson have that energy throughout the year him getting a big opportunity and making some big plays in this one at crucial moments allowed him to uh display that energy and have some fun a little bit as well. He hit a big and one at the end of the game when it looked like Orlando might make a run to make it interesting at the end. Um, Fell on the floor flexing and Tyrese came up and punched him on the ground a couple of times playfully just to kind of hype him up. Fox played, like I said, what is probably the best game of his season. Um, You saw him smiling a couple times after these fast break runs. He ended up with 33 points. Uh, three rebounds only one assist but also steal a block in this one in 33 points in 33 minutes on 12 of 18 from the field two of two from the th- from three and seven of eight from the free throw line um you know Gentry is very clear that he thinks the best asset that the Sacramento team, Kings team has is their pace and or well I should say their speed and because of that he believes that they should have an extremely high pace. We also heard McNair when they made the change from Walton to Gentry say that he thinks the Kings can be the fastest team in the league, that they were already paying fast, but he thought they could be faster, even the fastest team in the league. And we've seen the pace push nonstop. Like I said, it was, that was the case a bit with Walton, but we've seen it even more so since Gentry's taken over. It is nonstop pushing the ball, make or miss. And I think that's been really beneficial for Fox. Um, you know, in the games since Gentry has taken over, De'Aaron Fox is averaging twenty two point six points, four point three assists, four point five rebounds on forty-eight percent from the field, thirty-five percent from three, and eighty-one percent from the free throw line. So, you know, not quite up to that twenty-five point per game mark that we saw last year. There are two different thirty-point games in there, one of them being that triple overtime against the Lakers, um, where Fox played fifty-two minutes, but Still, um, you know, I think that we've seen these coast-to-coast kind of trademark De'Aaron Fox transition finishes that we hadn't seen in a way that I felt like a lot of people wanted beforehand. So Fox has been good. Um, But I want to kind of point out before I go into some of the trends that we've seen recently, guys that have or have not been playing well and Some rotational notes, I guess I'll say. I just want to get into this idea that like Alvin Gentry's first chance at continuity and how much that matters because the last time that the Kings had a consistent rotation where it was known, you know, these are the guys that are going to play on a given night was the beginning of the year. The first 10 games where Sacramento ended up going five and five. And we hear referenced this beginning stretch of the season all the time as, you know, we've heard it from Gentry, we've heard it from McNair, we've heard it from some of the players as like, you know, we've shown how good we can be. And they're talking about that beginning stretch of the year. And I think what's important is that they didn't have any injuries during that time, aside from the second game of the season where Mo Harkless was unavailable. But in every game, aside from that one with Mo, the starting lineup was Fox, Halliburton, Barnes. Harkless and Holmes and you knew that Buddy Heald and Davion Mitchell were going to get at least 20 minutes off the bench you knew that one of Alex Leonard Tristan Thompson was going to play and then you knew that Terrence Davis was you might see him for a little while you know he played he had a little bit more variability than these other guys but he never played more than 15 minutes per night aside from the one game he started because Harkless was unavailable um, and then he slowly faded out of the rotation because he was p- shooting extremely poorly. But we knew what the rotation was going to be, you know, and Walton caught some slack for an eight, what became an eight-man ra- eight rotation, but it was working well. Um, you know, they again, five and five doesn't sound super impressive, but you have to account for the schedule that they were up against. Um, they played Utah twice, Golden State once. Phoenix is in there. You know, those are the top teams in the league in the West, like the clear top three teams in the West. And that was four out of those 10 games. And then the other ones thrown in there, you know, Portland, Dallas, New Orleans, uh, Charlotte, Indiana, not pushover games. Um, New Orleans, you, you could say, obviously, I guess there's two New Orleans games. So take that for what you will. But those first 10 games often often referenced as, what we've shown that we're capable of. And that is when the lineup had consistency. After those 10 games, Tyrese Halliburton went down with a minor injury. Um, With Halliburton out, the Kings fell to Phoenix after scoring 12 points in the third quarter. And then they almost came back in that game, mainly on the shoulders of Chemezi Matu and Damian Jones, who got put in the game. In the middle of the third, looking for some energy. Walton was looking for some energy. And those guys played well and ended up closing the game or at least playing big minutes in the fourth as well. I believe Damian Jones did close. I want to say both those guys did from my memory, but I could be a little off there. I know they played really big minutes in the third and fourth quarters there. Um, They were the reason that the Kings had an opportunity to win that game. It was the Harrison Barnes and one call that was challenged and then reversed and shown to be a charge. Um, or else the Kings would have had an opportunity to win that game, but no Halliburton. And then we saw the next game. They started their road trip, went to San Antonio, this infamous road trip against, um, subpar opponents, right? Started their road trip, went to San Antonio and got embarrassed. So all of a sudden Walton is, Walton decides to put Jemetsu Matu in starting lineup in place of Harkless. Um. Halliburton had come back. There were no injuries anymore. Um, like Halliburton was the only one. He was coming back in Oklahoma city that next game after playing San Antonio and Luke Walton decided to move to Mezzi in the starting lineup and play some Maurice Harkless. He said it was something that, you know, we're going to try for five games to kind of see how it works because our rebounding is so bad that we have to try and fix that. And, before that, Metu was getting a lot of DNP CDs. You know, like I said, he played that game against Phoenix, but there were plenty of games earlier in the season he was not playing. Harkless, meanwhile, was in the starting lineup, and he went from starter to DNP CDs. So they kind of swapped roles there, and I think that it probably hurt Sacramento's defense a little bit. It just it changed the lineup dynamics. Um, so then we know what happened on that road trip. Um, the Kings went one and four with Metu in the starting lineup and not all of those were on the road. Uh, one of those. Yeah. Not all of those were on the road and that led right into Walton being fired. So then, and also Bagley was like starting to get rotational minutes during that road trip as well. Um, Walton really started to try and change things because he felt like the rebounding was so bad that that needed to be fixed. And once those changes started to be made, I think the team started to struggle. Um, And then now under Gentry, it feels the Kings are more focused on playing to their strengths, finding their strengths and saying, playing their brand of basketball rather than worried about, Oh man, we've been really bad at rebounding. We got to make some lineup changes to, try and clean that up. You know, I I just don't think that that's what we're going to see from Gentry. I don't think that he is going to overlook issues or anything like that. But it seems like what we've heard is that it's more important to figure out what we are going to be good at and make sure that we are good at those things than to clean up our weaknesses. Um, The quote that we got from Halliburton at practice was, it's just playing Sacramento Kings basketball. I think the biggest thing Alvin has preached through our last three or four games is worrying about ourselves. We're taking care of ourselves and making others adapt to us. So what they're good at, obviously, is um, is pace and running in transition, which a lot of that has to do with getting defensive stops. Mentioned a lot on the last episode, how Gentry wants them to force more turnovers for the sake of increased transition opportunities. That's something that, that's where Mo Harkless, has value on the offensive end Um, you know he shoots very quickly and he shot at a really poor percentage this year which will clean up a little bit but defenses just completely ignore him on when he's in the corner when he's at the three-point line or anything like that which hurts the spacing but he's probably the best low man defender weak side defender that this Sacramento Kings team has and the more stops that they can get the more transition opportunities that they're going to get. So that's where Harkless brings some value on the offensive end. Um, Harrison Barnes needs to be getting shots up at an aggressive rate. You know, earlier in the year, we heard Luke Walton say he wants Barnes to shoot six threes a game and that was happening. And Barnes was playing like a freaking all-star borderline top 10 guy in the league, but it was for a short stretch. And then all of a sudden Chimazie Metu came in the lineup and, um, And maybe it's not exactly correlated to that, but Barnes started to slow down a little bit and lessen those attempts more to what we were used to from last season. And I think that Barnes should be able to keep up his attempts. Um, He just returned again against Orlando with that foot issue. And, um, you know, it's, it's hard to judge, you know, Gentry was saying he's not worried about the box score, for barnes in this one since it's his first game back but i'll throw it out there anyways 30 minutes um, which is a lot when you're just returning from injury but 16 points five rebounds three assists and a steal no turnovers in there five of 11 from the field including two of four from deep i need barnes shooting at least six threes a night like walton said Um, i think he could get up eight a night because this team needs spacing and Halliburton and Barnes are the clear best two three-point shooters on this team after Buddy healed who's been struggling which we'll get into in a little while but Barnes and Halliburton do more on offense as well um, do more on just all around aside from shooting than Buddy does so if those guys can get up threes at a really good volume and be confident and very quick in their decisions to let it fly that way Opponents are forced to stay closer to them and not be able to help off so often. I think it'll do a lot for the penetration ability of both of those guys of Rashawn Holmes, uh, De'Aaron Fox, primarily, obviously. But yeah, Barnes returning has been nice. Not going to hold his performance against Orlando under. Not going to dive into it all too much. Um, just returning, but need to see him get up more shots and. Yeah, I mean, it's just very notable that since in the seven games since Gentry's been promoted, this does not include the Orlando game, Barnes missed five of them. Harkless missed four, and those overlapped. Bagley was unavailable for two of them, also during that same stretch that Mo and HB were down. And for a team that already severely lacks wing depth, like, where are you going to look to at that point? And that's why we saw Chimesi Metsu. We saw some Lou King. We saw Terrence Davis in some extreme small ball lineups with four guards. And um, also during that stretch, Rashawn Holmes missed three games. And it looks like we don't know what's going to be the case with Holmes moving forward. But in just those amount of games, seven, since Gentry's been promoted, HB missed five, Mo missed four, Bagley missed two, Holmes missed three. Like Gentry's just getting his first chance to establish a consistent rotation which I think is going to be very important for the Kings moving forward to find. He knows what he wants the identity of this team to be. It seems like again, utilizing speed, which he views as their best asset through an extremely high pace. And that means getting stops on defense and a more aggressive defense, I think is what we've seen getting more into the ball, being having more active hands shoot uh jumping passing lanes a little bit more in attempt to force turnovers and be more aggressive on the defensive end for the sake of increased transition opportunities it feels like is what we've seen um and Gentry's going to get an opportunity to really implement that and find what he views as his ideal rotation to get that done on a night-to-night basis i still think that um you know, he's favored Len over Thompson a little bit, but that could just be based on the chances that we've seen. Um, so, or the opponents that they've gone up against. So we'll see kind of how he goes between those two guys. I don't know what to make of Terrence Davis starting over Murray Harkless because again, Gentry said post game that if they were, if they could get away with not playing Harkless, that they would do that. So there's a chance that Harkless is still um, his preferred starter, but we're going to have to see moving forward. But it is notable that Terrence Davis has played really well recently. Um, you know, I, I played the last clip, his post-game clip in the last episode, which by the way, I totally messed up and meant to only include his first question and put the whole freaking post-game conference. So my bad. There, getting used to kind of putting these clips in, but the last five games for Terrence Davis, he's played really well. Um, 17.6 points along with four and a half rebounds and one steal per game. And and this is uh, just under 24 minutes, 53% from the field, 44% from three. And that's on 6.8 threes per game. And, Like I said, yeah, just played extremely well in these last five games. He's started in all of them. That does include the Orlando game because prior to that, he was averaging just over five points um, in about 14 minutes on 30% from the field and 20% from three on four attempts from downtown per game. So Terrence Davis really emerging has been big for this team. We talked about this team needing more spacing and Terrence Davis obviously supplies that. He's been decent on the defensive end. I think that you could want more from him. I think that his shot selection hasn't been great. We've heard, I believe, Gentry talk about you know, getting TD to pick his spots a little bit better, and I think that's something that he's still working on. But it's easy to forget that this is only Terrence Davis's third year in the NBA, so he's still going to be kind of working through those things. He's 24 years old because he – Was older when he came out of college, came out of Ole Miss. But still, it's going to be a little bit of a learning process. Like Terrence Davis is a young NBA player, and I think it's easy to forget about that. And it's been important that Terrence Davis has shined in these last five games because while he shot extremely well, Buddy Heald is going through what I'm pretty damn sure is the worst shooting stretch of his career. In the last five games, he's averaged 24 minutes, which is extremely low as well, by the way. Three games in a row now where TD has played more minutes than Buddy. And in those 24 minutes for Buddy throughout the last five games, 7.6 points on, are you ready for this? 24% from the field and 12% from three on 6.6 attempts a game. Whoa, uh, Buddy is MIA right now. It's now five games in a row where he hasn't made more than one three. At Memphis, one of nine. Against the Lakers, one of six. At LA, against the Clippers, oh of three. At home against the Clippers, one of five. And at home, in most recent game against Orlando, one of ten. Buddy is missing. And missing from the game, and I guess missing from three. <laughs> Unintentional there but man to hardly even be playing while he's out there this is different for buddy and i think that it's going to be interesting to see how he bounces back like i don't think i would guess that buddy's confidence isn't wavered at all by this you know he is struggling obviously on the year when when you're talking about only what are we, I believe, uh, 25 games into the year. I'm talking about a five-game sample where he's shooting that horrific percentage that I mentioned earlier from three. So him being down to 35% on the year is going to be largely impacted by a stretch like this. And I'm sure that he'll get this back up. But I think that my main takeaway here is that, you know, we've talked about it on this pod and uh, I've heard it talked about understandably a lot in a couple different places is like, oh, well, can this team trade, buddy? Because do they have enough shooting after that? And, you know, maybe TD shooting can't be relied upon. Maybe he's going to be a streaky guy for his entire career. But he's on right now and it's helping. HB needs to get more three-point attempts up. Tyrese needs to get more three-point attempts up. So if those guys are able to do that, I mean, I think that that helps fill in for a potential idea to move on from Buddy Davion Mitchell's three-point shooting is has been subpar, but I think that he should be expected to come around a little bit more. His off-the-dribble shooting, by the way, has been really, really good. We've heard a lot recently. There's a chance I write on this, but we heard a lot last post game of Fox and Halliburton talking about how they feel like Gentry is, or not Gentry, how the game is slowing down for Davion now, about how he's reaching that point. And his pull-up jumper has been really impressive in the recent games. Yeah, he is at 28.3% from deep on the season. But I, I think that um, what we've seen recently from Davion is him look looking a little bit more comfortable. You know, 18 points in this game, only two in the last game against the Clippers. But then in the game prior to that, he had 20. Um, yeah, he had 18 and four in this last game throughout the last five games for Davion. He's averaging 11.8 points, 3.4 assists on 43% from the field and 31% from three. So he seems to be coming around a little bit. We'll see what type of three-point shooter he is. Um, Yeah, I mean, the team can survive without spacing the floor without Buddy Heald, I guess is the point. I don't know that... I'm not confident that they won't have stretches where they really struggle, but... I think also the idea is that whoever you would be potentially moving buddy for at the deadline is a capable three point shooter themselves. They don't have to be elite, but they have to not be below average, probably. Um, maybe not not has to be, because if you want to talk about someone like Ben Simmons, obviously he's so damn impactful in other aspects of the game that like you're gonna struggle to shoot the ball or, or with spacing issues, and that's something that you have to deal with. So have to isn't the right word. So bonus is another example, right? But I think that if they can, it would be it would be really helpful for this roster. Um, but if they're talented enough in other aspects, then that's something that you definitely can be willing to overlook um, because the team has shown that they are capable of surviving with Buddy Heald going through this really tough stretch. Again, not sure how much that has to do with Terrence Davis just being in a on an up right now. If, if you know he's a guy that's gonna have a lot of ups and downs throughout his career, he's definitely on an up right now. So we'll see if maybe he can find some sort of consistency to be a you know mid 30s three point shooter. He's definitely not gonna stay to the cold slump that we saw at the beginning of the year, but I think the recent stretch has also been a little hot for him. So we'll see kind of where he evens out to. And I think that's gonna be a big difference here. Um yeah, like I said, Fox played ridiculously well. He looks to be coming around. Halliburton was really confident. Um, you know, I think that the team needs to be better on defense. Halliburton is part of that. Um, but I think the confidence that I'm talking about, and he was really good deflections, especially in the first half of this game. I'm just kind of uh, a little bit of a jet there for anyone aware, I guess. And the beginning of the fourth quarter, like uh, the one other aspect that stood out to me a lot for Halliburton, I think Fox pointed it out as well, is that like, if guys go under screens on Halliburton, I want. I feel like he should be pulling it every time. I think that his release might be a little bit slow. That that's something that's going to, like recognizing that right away and just pulling it instantly the second that you see that's happening. I think takes time to understand, recognize, and capitalize on like in a brief second. And I think that's something that Halliburton's getting used to. We saw it a couple times at the beginning of the fourth quarter specifically. This stood out to me. He. Played phenomenally. 18 points, 11 rebounds in the that game against Orlando. Three steals. There's two blocks in there. Um, six of nine from the field. Five of six from three. And uh, he knocked down his only free throw as well. Halliburton played phenomenal in this one. And I, I love specifically that aggression that we saw from him at the beginning of the fourth and taking his own shot. And there felt like probably about a four-minute stretch where it was either him scoring or assisting on the scoring basket and just completely in control of the game like that was one of those stretches where you're just like okay maybe Halliburton can be a hall star at some point in his career so that was great to see I think the other notable thing here and we'll see how this changes with Harkless returning Alvin Gentry did say that Marvin Bagley would still be in the rotation even when Barnes and Harkless do return because, and he specifically pointed to the rebounding that Bagley has brought. And obviously that's something that the team has really struggled with throughout this season. And, but Bagley's also done a good job shooting from three. And Gentry also pointed to, you know, he felt like Bagley doesn't get enough credit for keeping himself ready. So these last two games, Bagley played about 19 minutes in each of them. In the first one against the Clippers, he had 12 points and 11 rebounds, four of six from the field shooting. Uh, He missed his only three, but knocked down all four free throw attempts. And then in the most recent game against Orlando, again, just over 19 minutes, um, also 12 points and had six rebounds to go with it. A steal, and he shot four of eight from the field, including two of four from three and two of two from the free throw line. Four offensive rebounds in the home game against the Clippers and two offensive rebounds in the home game against Orlando. He probably deserves, you know, two or three more throughout that two game stretch credit for rebounds that he ended up, uh, you know, making difficult for the opposition where maybe I I think can think of a Mo Bamba one that uh, because Bagley was down there battling on the offensive glass that it slipped out of Bamba's hands and led to a second chance opportunity for the Kings. Bagley's like playing a role, which is something that's new. Um, Tim had a great article on the Kings Herald about this recently that he just put up today at the time of recording this. Um, It's been really encouraging what we've seen from Bagley that he's filled this role. He's extremely active on the glass. Obviously he moves in transition extremely well, which is again, the emphasis of the Sacramento Kings roster right now. So there's a chance that Bagley remains in the rotation. It looks like he's going to get his opportunity at very least to continue to make a case for that rotation spot as Harkless returns. So we'll see what that ends up looking at looking like. I'm curious if Bagley gets played at the five at all. We saw that like very, very briefly in one of these games since Gentry took over. I forget which one, but it was so brief that um, it's probably not very notable. But we're gonna see. Um, hopefully, that Holmes is all right and gets to come back soon. Here, like I mentioned, Gentry's dealt with so many injuries since taking over, and I think him getting an opportunity to again build a consistent rotation where has some continuity. Like Gentry specifically was a guy that pointed out how important continuity is for guys. Um, it wasn't unprompted; I did ask him about this, but the quote that I got from Alvin when asking about the importance of continuity with Barnes and Harkless around the corner, he said, quote, anytime you can have continuity, it's going to be much, much better because guys know exactly what their roles are. They know the expectations that are there for them, when they're going to come on the floor, and what their role is. I just think it's easier on the players. So those guys getting a little bit of an understanding, and I think that also you know, Fox and Halliburton knowing who is playing alongside them, and their roles being a little bit more clearly defined, like Marvin, um, excuse me, Harrison Barnes, understanding that his role needs to be to get up a whole lot of threes on top of everything else that we've seen from him. But have a quick trigger from three, no matter if it's Moharkless or Tremessi Metsu next to him, but also which one of those guys is could make it a little bit more clear for him and. Um, yeah, I think a chance for continuity and a consistent roster would be really important for Gentry. We've seen him do well during his time. Um, I, I like the changes that we've seen implemented a extremely high pace and aggressive defense that is very disruptive. I think that was probably the theme of the last episode here. That was the wording that Fox used. And yeah, we saw a lot of talk about wanting to force more turnovers, which We've seen happen a little bit here and pushing the pace nonstop. So now the Kings are sitting at the 10th seed. 11-14 and is their record after 25 games, which is about 30% of the way through the season here. That has them two games out of the sixth seed, by the way. Three games out of the four seed. And their upcoming stretch of games is a road trip that Should be favorable. Um, They play in Charlotte on Friday and then have a back-to-back in Cleveland. And then on Monday, they play in Toronto before coming home for three games. So, I would think that the Kings are favored in most of these games. You know, um, Cleveland's dealing with a few issues. Charlotte is going to be interesting because we don't know if their guys are going to be back from COVID uh, health and safety protocols. So, there was a, a lot of guys there. I want to say it was uh, Terry Lamello, ish Smith, and uh, one or two more players who have been inactive for them recently because of health and safety protocol. So we'll, we're still yet to find out if those guys will be available for the Kings showdown in Charlotte on Friday. Um, like I mentioned, Cleveland has been playing well, but I think that the Kings shill, still should be favored in that one. I believe that Evan Mobley is going to be unavailable because he's out for a significant stretch. And then they play in Toronto and that one probably should be a little bit closer um, when it comes to just kind of like predictions or who's going to be favored. But like I mentioned, the Kings are two games out of the six seed and they're playing well going into what is a subpar competition level on this road trip, but it's not the first time we've heard the team is going on a road trip feeling good against some, not great opponents so we know what happened last time that we were able to say those things hopefully this stretch turns out a lot better for the kings i think that they have some positive momentum rolling forward hopefully they can stay healthy because recently since gentry's taken over like i mentioned that has not been the case but if they're able to stay healthy get a little bit of consistency and really fully buy into this identity of being an aggressive disruptive defense that encourages more transition opportunities and just be obsessed with pushing the pace every single night and Barnes and Halburton are getting up threes at a great rate Fox remains aggressive that there's a decent formula here for the Kings they should be favored to make this play in spot um, but the extreme up and downs that we saw throughout Walton's entire tenure um, I don't think that they fully go on Walton but hopefully that doesn't happen under Gentry hopefully he can find a little bit more consistency and a lot of that again is going to have to do with guys remaining healthy so knock on wood hopefully that happens this was an encouraging performance from the Kings against the Magic their perimeter containment was bad as the Magic kind of had a five out offense but Sacramento's own offense was just phenomenal in this one so at very least it was encouraging like I said there's probably the best I'm going to use this word. I guess there's the best vibes right now in that Orlando game coming off that Orlando game that I feel like we've had all season. Um, I guess like game winner earlier in the year against Phoenix is probably up there. Obviously it's a game winner, but the energy and um, just level of fun that the guys looked like they were having on the floor in that Orlando game was encouraging and hopefully they can keep this up moving forward on the road trip. Um, you haven't noticed kind of my recording schedule has become recording every post game except for when it's back-to-back recording the second night of that back-to-back so you can expect another episode on sunday after the kings play in charlotte and in cleveland on friday and saturday back to back there um yeah if you enjoyed this episode of the king's Pulse podcast definitely be sure to check out all the work at the king's herald because Gentry's chance to establish some continuity and consistency in his roster is pretty much directly from an article that I wrote there. I referenced Tim's article today of Bagley kind of promisingly emerging and finding a role on the Sacramento roster. Um, Tim broke that down extremely well on the website as well, and there's great stuff there from the guys and gals on that website, myself included, all the time. So definitely take a look at the Patreon there to support local independent Kings coverage. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Kings Post podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. And you'll hear from me again in the next couple of days.